Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, and 24-7 support. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GUARDIAN to get 10% off. Hello, this is Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. This week, Pete Perfides' parallel history of pop transports us back to December 1965, a surreal timeline in which Jonathan King, Ken Dodd and Ina Sharple's Harmonium all make an appearance in the mid-60s, the height of rock and roll, my friends. We also have music from Sky Ferreira, Busy Signal and Ten Snake featuring Nile Rogers in Singles Club. That's all in Music Weekly from The Guardian. Joining us in the pod this week, Ben Beaumont Thomas. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Um, what's been happening in the world of news, people? In the world of musical news? Well, uh, yesterday I wrote a story on the on the Guardian site. Uh, just chucked it up there, which is about a Miley Cyrus Christmas cracker joke. It's a right. good joke. What's which, the joke? Do you want to? Is that well? That spoil it? No, no. I think I think we can share it with the world. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, what does Miley Cyrus have for Christmas dinner? Mm. Twerky. Twerky. There you go. Very good. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that's that's you know mildly amusing. Some people Did might you think enjoy you that. Uh, no, no, it was a comedian uh, on a, some kind of Twitter competition. And so I just chucked the story up and uh, within an hour it was being uh, read by four times as many people as the Nelson Mandela Memorial <laughs> on The Guardian's website. Uh, Amazing. Which shocked and, um, and delighted slash appalled me. That's um, incredible. Yeah, so people... Four many, but maybe that's because we were the only people that had the Miley Cyrus jerky <laughs> joke. Yes. Whereas Nelson Mandela with everybody. That's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of spread across the Does that mean sphere. it was one of the most read things on culture yesterday? It was the most read thing on culture <laughs> yesterday. Wow. <laughs> yep, that's right. There are certain people though, aren't there? You know, you'd have thought, if I saw a new student, Miley Cyrus, I don't really read enough about Miley Cyrus. I don't really need to. Read. There are certain things, uh, Robin Thicke being the other one. Whenever The Guardian does a new, anything on Robin Thicke, it like, just goes through the roof. People yeah. are mad for reading about Miley Cyrus. Christ knows why. Yeah, it just seems to have sort of been this uh, snowballing meme that now has just got its own kind of separate energy supply and it just sort mm-hmm. of create. it lives in a completely different part of the news. Well, wasn't she to supposed to be the, the time person of the year? <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Was, yeah, yeah. there was, wow. was a rumour that that was... That'd be amazing That'd be if they did that and not Nelson Mandela. Or, you know, to me, <laughs> somebody who, you know... That's the last thing that can make time even vaguely relevant, though, is, is to try and just do something so comically awful. Yes. <laughs> um, the uh, best-selling album of the year, it would appear, is Emily Sande's, whatever it's called, A Series of Unfortunate Events or whatever, uh, which is second year running. That's been the best-selling album of the year, which is a bit disappointing, really, because it's been quite a good year for musicals. It suggests things are a bit sort of sclerotic up at the top of the charts. Yeah, I remember reading a uh, recently uh, an interview with the head of Sony Music in Music Week, um, and he was... Was he stood on a window ledge? <laughs> <laughs> but verbally, uh, pretty much, yeah. And he that he, you know, he, was, he acknowledged that they hadn't had a good year, but, but then he was talking up the um, middling international success of Irish soft rock band Codaline as being one of the big um, wow. things for Sony this year, which, considering... They're so, not exactly that Sony great. put out um, the Daft Punk album, though. They did, that, yes. That. That's an intriguing state of affairs. Codaline. Yeah. yeah, that was one that can be the you know one of the things to really talk up, and you know it's it's second string at best, really. Rod Stewart's is the biggest selling new album by a solo artist. Is Rod Stewart's album, which seems seems remarkable, really. That demographic still buys CDs. Still buys CDs, I mm. guess. But I mean, it's, it's but more singles are being sold than ever before. I mean, really? Yeah. So what else? Macaulay Culkin. Has formed a Velvet Underground 
It's like ball aching. Yes. <laughs> Velvet Underground pizza thing. Tribute. Band. Um, and they just all the songs are just called I'm Waiting for the Pizza Delivery Man. Is that is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. It's a series of bad pizza puns by yeah. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. It sounds like he might have been working on this for a long time time with a large <laughs> bag of weed I was going to say it does sound yeah, yeah you can it's a real 4am decision what we should I was so funny yeah. <laughs> I once saw Macaulay Culkin in a Tiffany's in New York actually and Did I really? thought he was a it was like a, a homeless man slash crack addict I was like what's that guy doing in there and he and he unveiled himself took off his uh his hoodie like kind of Emperor Palpatine in a Star Wars <laughs> and, and revealed this sort of haggard Boy, beneath really? it was. Uh, then there was bothered. a good piece on 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 the music site today, which was like Macaulay Culkin's best five music moments. One of them was just him and stuff that he'd done with the Libertines, and the other one was the Libertines. My, yeah, well, you know, he went through a phase where he was hanging out with Pete Doherty all the time. Wow, I bet that's a great influence on the both that's of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other one was just the black and white video. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a Sonic Youth video as well, wasn't he, Macaulay Culkin? Right, now it is time uh, for Singles Club. We're coming to the end of the year. Is this going to be the last Singles Club of the year we're going to do one next week? I think she's bringing a trance bit on Fairly Slept On next week. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. First off, uh, guests first, let's have Ben's Choice. Okay, that's uh, Love Sublime by Ten Snake featuring Nar Rodgers. I can really hear Nar Rodgers on that, on that clip. Yeah, he's 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 below there uh, somewhere. He kind of comes out and does uh, his his you know one note fret throttle funk guitar, which is the greatest guitar sound ever, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely. And, and this you know this track it bumps in all the right places, and I think when you hear it out, it'll be brilliant. And it's it's very nicely sort of spaciously produced, even if the hook isn't that great. But there's something slightly odd about this in the wake of Get Lucky. You now kind of Nar Rogers is sort of being airlifted in and sort yeah. of slotted in like a modular bit of um <laughs> IKEA furniture <laughs> to sort of lend authenticity and sort of disco righteousness to new dance tracks. And there's something, you know, in the eighties in Duran Duran or David Bowie, he kind of felt more a part of the um, of the track and really at its heart and was sort of co-producing it. Now he just sort of feels like a bit of a signifier. Really. Stuck on, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? The progress of Ten Snake, who a couple of years ago was a sort of underground, high respectability. What was that track? Something Cat? Coma Cat. Coma yeah. Cat. Which is a great record, I think. Absolutely brilliant track. And now sort of getting a big push. I mean, this is now I'm coming out of a major label. It's heavily advertised already. You know, clearly they have ambitions for this above and beyond the usual sort of dance producer making an album. I assume this is, you know, see, it's the wake of disclosure that kind of thing is that is that where yeah it's and you have this in? real like pop house sort of up swell of all mm. these sort of young producers like bondax and kidnap kid and gorgon city who's gonna be massive next year so you know this is this is a it's part of all of that stuff that's gonna 
get pushed and have hopefully the likes of Sony Music not just picking up Code Line at the end of 2014. <laughs> it's interesting that he's being, originally he was positioned, as you say, it's been quite underground, almost part of that sort of aeroplane, Hercules and yeah, other absolutely fair, sort that of new sort of disco new, thing. New disco, and yes. now it's a bit more sort of, this will be on, you know, the Ministry of Sound anthem and I mean, uh, Radio 1 for, playlisted, for I would imagine, and, you know, I can see it's getting played on Radio 1 quite a lot. Exactly, yeah, and, and sort of Ibiza compilations in the summer. I think it's all right, and I think it's still got a certain degree of that sort of new disco flavour to it and that kind of 110 or whatever it is, BPM tempo and all that kind of thing. Mm. I thought it was all right, I thought it was quite a good song. Um, I know what you mean about Nile Rodgers. I would just go and make his own record. You worry he's just kind of like, oh, here's my here's my pension pot now, and mm. you would hope that he still has some kind of really innovative stuff left in him. Yeah, you would think so. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that he doesn't seem to be producing any new music of his own, or he doesn't be producing any new music that's getting released. He's touring this kind of, which is great when you see Sheet Live. It's brilliant. I've seen it twice this year, and they're really good. But it's all old stuff, and you sort of think, well, not you can do better than this. I mean, I, I wish him all the best, and he's already done achieved more in four years or whatever it was that Sheet got at the height than most people can hope to achieve in a lifetime but it would just be nice to hear some new music from him rather than sort of just guest artist mm. you know it's I mean? kind of interesting interesting and also potentially quite cynical to see how lots of young producers who are doing kind of this deep house disco thing are just kind of commodifying him as a bastion of authenticity or funk authenticity and sort of bringing him in but I think it works quite nicely on things like this because like you say the, these are all sounds that we've heard this year we've heard kind of you know disco injections we've heard lots of house we've heard you know the sort of movement into deep house we've heard disco and kind of taking all those best elements of it rather than just sort of grabbing someone to do a couple of like disco hums now and again seems like it's a good choice and yeah I think I agree with you about Gorgon City and M&EK uh, and that kind of school of people going to be like being huge next year. Well, this is a good indicator of how that should sound. I it's hope. intriguing to hear, think of Nile Rogers as a symbol of authenticity because <laughs> I tell you what, he certainly wasn't seen as a symbol of authenticity in 1978. You know, he seemed as one of the people who was like killing the funk. I mean, completely incorrectly, obviously. Anyway, Love Sublime by Ten Snake featuring Nile Rogers there. Let's move on. Garen's Choice. Road well, fresh, clean night and day when we roll. Dog ready for name your food if you violate. How we are on the world town. Hustle and make the money plenty. We are with friend them just a smoke and a drink. No flick up on table. Big up your friend or your dogs. Them near you, them well prepared. Still we give thanks for life every day of the week. So we do it when we touch the road. Everywhere be a girl surround with. Now nah, I beg not no can we pocket them no empty and we don't care. Ja protect me and my friend them and my family. And me say blaze up every lighter. Me say when we are like streets. Me have to big up the other door. Uh, that's Be Prepared by Busy Signal. Kieran, that's your choice. Tell us about uh, Busy Signal. Uh, Busy Signal is a quite iconic dancehall Jamaican reggae artist who uh, has been sort of on the scene in, in Jamaica and on the British dancehall scene for years and years and years. And he sampled hugely at heatwave parties and sort of, you know, the British dancehall parties. But hasn't really kind of, you know, had a mainstream moment in the same way that someone like Styler G has in the Jamaican world because it's almost seemed like this year has been kind of for the Afrobeat sound, you know, Afrobeats has had its kind of mainstream crossover definitely seen in the charts this year, and it almost seems like for the benefit of uh, listeners who who are unaware, various sub 
subgenres of mm-hmm. dance music of which you speak. Uh, what are the Afrobeat crossover hits of this year, please? Uh, the Antenna, Fuse ODG. Azonto. Azonto, yep, of course. Those and accompanying dance. And accompanying dance, <laughs> yep, which... Uh, yeah, it was definitely worth a YouTube look. Um, and it almost seems like there's, you know, there's only space for kind of, you know, one exotic other sound to hit the mainstream. And last year it really felt like it was a Jamaican sound and this year it really feels like it's Afrobeat. Um, and I thought that it was kind of an, an interesting take on uh, Lord's Royals, which this is obviously a refix of, um, which is probably one of the most written about, kind of most talked about tracks of the year. It had its own kind of controversy. and I think Everything, everything's had its own controversy. Yeah, it's had its own controversy. Yeah. This is, yeah. I burped recently. This this. Is <laughs> and there was a series of comments, free blogs about it. Was it absolutely, afterwards. I was yeah. pinging about it. was Twitter storm, hashtag exactly. burp. Um, <laughs> the year Racist of burp. Um. Twitter identity <laughs> politics concerning Lord. Okay, um, Ben. Yeah, I think it's very good. It's sort of part of a constant obsession with covering that Busy Signal has because he did um, Started From the Bottom this mm-hmm. year, which is really good. Really good. He's done a bunch of Rihanna ones, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's a constant, but I mean, that's, that goes back. That's a yeah. Jamaican music industry exactly. constant. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what's yeah. that got to do with it? And Oh, God, I'm going, I'm that. I heard uh, earlier uh, this week uh, a friend of mine played me a, uh, I think from 1963, Scar version of Lucille by, uh, <laughs> yeah. by Richard. So, I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? That's yeah. the versioning of other people's material is very much He even did a version of Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl, which he rather uncharitably escalates to I fucked your girl. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, yeah. Come on now, busy signal. Uh, we all like a laugh, but that's, yeah, just, that's uh, just not nice. That's not very really nice. Not very really no. nice. Uh, you like you like this, do you? Yeah, two thumbs up. Okay, two thumbs up. Uh, not for me, I'm afraid. Not for you. you ah, like all, it. Auto-tune vocal, somebody else's song. Uh, you don't like the really... refix. No, not so much. No, no. no it's not, I have a lot of time for for refixes, um, generally speaking. Uh, but I just didn't. I didn't think particularly. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. he made. He took a record that was sort of not hugely innovative in sound to start off with, and mm-hmm. made it sort of less innovative in sound, and made it sound more kind of mainstream in a way. It didn't strike mm-hmm. me as. I like dancehall when it sounds sort of weird. Yeah, okay. And it sounds, you know what I mean? I like, like that Egyptian, that, that yeah. track. Because this it definitely sounds sort of a lot more muted. And other. And this, this sounds like, really, you could kind of hear somebody doing something like that on radio. Well, that could be the hook off a hip-hop record. Mm-hmm. It didn't really grab me in the way. But I like the sound of I Fucked Your Girl. Every <laughs> <laughs> signal. I was well, the Guardian you. Christmas Party, I think. I'll be <laughs> dropping that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that and most of Black Panties by, uh, by <laughs> R. Kelly. Um, let's move on. This is my choice. That's Boys uh, by Sky Ferreira, uh, which is uh, from her forthcoming second album, but is uh, currently up on YouTube. You can you can have a listen to the whole album, I think, is up on YouTube. I'm intrigued by how much heat there seems to be around the Sky Ferreira album all of a sudden, didn't it? You know, I mean, I know she, she put out a couple of great singles, but suddenly there's, there's a lot of kind of buzz around this record. And I think I can see why, actually. That's a really good song. Had a lot of music 
in recent years, probably as a sort of its post Amy Winehouse effect. It's got a kind of vaguely 60s girl group flavour to it. But what that, I think, does is take that sound of a kind of... I suppose what it is, it's kind of the Shangri-Las by way of Blondie, then given this kind of incredibly sort of modern, distorted electronic production. I think it's a really good song. The production's great. I love like sort of fat, compressed, distorted sound to it. It's really nice. Mm. I think it works in every way. There's nothing about that record I don't like. I like it too. I liked that kind of sonic compression and the way that she sounds next to it. She doesn't sound drowned out by it in any way. And I think that a lot of the time when you have, you know, kind of a plethora of those kind of sounds in the background, it can it's so easy to get drowned out mm. by it unless you're going to do like a really shrill, shrieking Courtney Love type thing mm. or you're just going to do that bored draw. And I, I think she does have a little bit of that kind of bored draw to her to her vocal here, but it's it's kind of nice. It's not stroppy in any way. It still feels like she's like she's you know nice feisty. Yeah, you know, it's still kind of feisty, and she still sounds quite sharp. And my favorite track was I can't remember what it's called now. The one that was um, produced by Dev Hines. Everything is embarrassing. Everything is embarrassing. I really really liked her on this, and she sounds to me completely different on this. And I really like this as well. So I think the album should be interesting. It would be intriguing to see if something mm. actually does cross over from that kind of hipster pop yeah. thing. You know, the Dev Hines does a lot of, or you know, and you get that kind of the sort of hipster R and B thing with with the Solange and all that. If this actually crosses over and is a proper commercial success, would be intriguing. So. Yeah, I doubt it, but then maybe she will kind of ride a sort of that that wave of interest. And and as you both said, you know, these are really strong kind of bubblegum meets sort of yeah. a certain bleakness sort of pop songs, and that is universally accessible. But I mean, she's going on tour with. Miley Cyrus and Icona Pop in America, which I think is a really good Yeah, that's trio. a really good And it's, it's interesting, you know, her and Miley are really not that different. You know, they both, if you put the record cover of, of one, her, her first <laughs> single, where she's probably only about 16 and perhaps looks even younger and she's this incredibly fresh-faced and glossy-looking girl, compare it to the cover of the new album, which she's in a shower topless and her makeup's run and she looks a bit deranged and it's a photo by Gaspar Noé who directed <laughs> Irreversible and uh, and all sorts of dark stuff and similarly just as Miley has kind of rejected an earlier version of herself and sort of wrested control of her image and run quite in quite a long way the other way with it to, to somewhere that maybe isn't fully herself and that she might cringe about later in life but you know, is is very much she's her own woman. I think Sky Ferrer is doing a similar thing. You know, moving away from a a bubblegum, very major labelled version of what women should look like mm. to kind of what she wants to look like, uh, which is really heartening. I think. Excellent. Um, Boys by Sky Ferreira. Uh, the album's out in the new year, but um, it's available to hear now on YouTube. That concludes Singles Club. Let's move on. Pete Perfides has again been delving into his recticule of record magazines and will now transport us back in time to December the 18th, 1965, in his parallel history of pop. <laughs> Hello, my name is Peter Fides. Thank you for joining me in my parallel history of pop music in which I grab a music paper from a roughly equivalent point in history. This week it's the turn of Music Echo magazine. It used to be called Mersey Beat magazine. It was the only major music magazine to be uh, published in Liverpool. And this issue dates back to December the 18th, uh, 1965. I love Music Echo because it's got a slightly more kind of fan-based approach to music writing. And not too stuffy and uh, this is evidenced by the cover which is various music echo writers alongside Billy Fury 
and Jonathan King there lurking in the background, all in panto mode. And this tells us it is indeed Christmas. There's a lot going on. And on page two, we have the singles. Singles by notable artists from this period in time. Out this week, Ebb Tide by the Righteous Brothers gets a fantastic review. It's one of those ultra-spectacular discs that is a must for every record collection. Sonny and Cher have a single out. They haven't died a terrible death, says the uh, Music Echo correspondent, but it's definitely a kind of limbo. Sonny Bono's latest The Revolution Kind, apart from the passable protest lyrics, is one very big mess. Adequate description would be a poor man's laugh at me. Standout line, these words have all been said before by men who had to go to war. Turning over to page four, who should have a regular column in Music Echo but Jonathan King? He seems to write sort of the first thing that comes into his head. He's writing about the Beatles this week. Uh, Day Tripper has just come out and he says he begins by writing, My last column caused a lot of controversy. The trouble is that in this business you offend X and Z if you mention Y. Instead of pleasing one person, you annoy a hundred. That's the way it goes. Let's give all those people who are irritated because I failed to mention them a special bouquet sprinkled with pepper and labelled to the losers. See what he did there. How about the new Beatles record? I vote them as still the top pop group in the world. I'm sure the Beatles would be too bothered what uh, Jonathan King votes them at this stage. But I detest Day Tripper. The arrangement is unoriginal, repetitive, clapped out and completely unsuited to the dreary, unmelodic tune. At this point in the timeline, the Beatles have to struggle on without the approval of Jonathan King. Uh, we can't see into the future, so we don't know how that's going to go for them. The Beatles are constantly in the music papers, as you can imagine, at this point in time. And there are several Beatles-related sort of snippets on the news pages. Beatles smash sales records. We can work it out, which is, of course, the other side of Day Tripper, sells a million. Those fantastic Beatles have done it again with their new single, We Can Work It Out. And Day Tripper, they have smashed even their own incredible British sales record. By this weekend, the new single will have sold one million copies and the LP half a million which are totals that have been achieved faster than any previous Beatles records. Uh, there's one snippet headed Ina Sharples. Ina Sharples, for younger listeners, being the uh, iconic Coronation Street character who always wore a hairnet. The Beatles chanced the anger of Coronation Street's famous Harry Dan, Ina Sharples, on their TV spectacular this Friday. On We Can Work It Out, John plays harmonium. At the recording, such an instrument could not be found, though. That was until someone thought of borrowing Ina's from the Coronation Street set. I don't recall Ina Sharples playing a harmonium in Coronation Street, but I was young. In other news, Top of the Pops moves to London. BBC TV's top pop show, Top of the Pops, is moving to London for its special end-of-year bumper edition, which will last 75 minutes and will be screened on Christmas Day. The reason for the move to London is that the Manchester studios, which are a converted church, will not house all the names taking part. So we've got people like either live or on film, every top disc of 1965, including four by the Beatles, three by the Stones, and two by the Seekers. Also, Ken Dodd, Georgie Fame, Moody Blues, Kinks, Tom Jones, and The Who, 
all on that. So that's going to be great, isn't it? There's a story here from the Rolling Stones headed, Our Biggest Problem is Girls. It's actually written by uh, George Tremlett, who I think works with them in some capacity. They're a constant peril. We just cannot escape them. These fans seem to have a built-in homing device enabling them to find out where we are. So sometimes the Stones book in at a new hotel, go to their rooms only to find fans hiding in the wardrobes, under the beds, etc, etc. In Los Angeles, a girl tried to clamber over a roof towards Mick's bedroom and fell 30 feet to the ground, breaking her leg. Other times, girls have fallen through glass roofs, downstairs and been trampled in a rush to get at the Stones. I think he might be some kind of a minder, because um, he goes on to say, but their biggest handicap is me. My job is to ward them off. Uh, sometimes I have to grab three or four by the hair at once and whisk them off towards the hotel door. It may sound vicious, but it's the only way, says George. Some girls are as savage as Amazons, punching, scratching and swearing worse than soldiers in the heat of battle. The stones are not safe, even on stage. Another interesting thing about this piece, actually, is um, there's a real insight into the kind of emerging dynamic between Brian Jones who uh, I think was famously, um, you know, re increasingly regarded as a, an irritant in the band, especially by Keith, even though I guess at the beginning it was his band. And there are some um, insights into sort of life on the road with Brian. And there's a, uh, let me pick it up. One night we were due to appear at a theatre in Shrewsbury. As we drove into town, Brian said he wanted to call it a chemist. As he got out of the van, Keith turned to us with a wicked grin and said, come on let's leave him to it so so they went on to the theater we went on to the theater there were only a few fans so we were able to get to the stage door without any trouble but by the time brian arrived the girls were out in force they chased him through the streets tearing his jacket and ripping his shirt we thought this was hilarious but brian could not see the joke and this goes on this kind of litany of cruelties towards brian kind of goes on one of the funniest was when we were still living at edith grove Brian was then working in a record shop. One day a woman came in to buy a new gramophone, trading her old one in part exchange. This was given to Brian and it became his pride and joy, the most expensive thing he possessed. One night Brian was horrified when he switched it on to a flash of flame and a cloud of smoke. He didn't know what had happened and still doesn't, but I can reveal now that Keith had plugged his earth into a light socket. For months, Mick and Keith were in stitches Every time Brian talked about getting his record player mended, but he never knew what they were talking about. What else have we got? Page seven. There's an appraisal of, uh, uh, of, of Bob Dylan's fantastic year, written by Jim Gaines, and this is sort of the year he started to go electric and uh, famously polarised uh, music fans and folk fans. Uh, it's a very respectful piece, really kind of going over his achievements that year. It's easy to forget how much he, he managed to achieve in the space of 12 months until you read a sort of such a breathless uh, account like this one. Subterranean homesick blues provided him with a really big smash again and came in for plenty of quote-unquote stick with the... Uh, Dylan's gone commercial bellowers. Many attribute the success of Joan Baez to Bob Dylan and his so-called publicity gimmicked romance with her. Whether this is the case or not does not change the fact that Dylan was rarely out of the headlines uh, one way or another. 
quite a good piece here about the Supremes. Again, so many, you know, names, household names just kind of emerging at this point in time and the Supremes, no exception. They live up to their name as far as success is concerned, writes Robin Leach. And this is really just an introduction to their sound because they've just had a hit with I Want a Guy and uh, brought a new name into the charts. Diana Ross, Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson are the girls behind the biting twangy Motown sound. All were childhood friends and residents of a council house project in Detroit. And there's a brief interview with them as well. Just like any other girls the world over, the topic for discussion starts with marriage. Laughed 21-year-old Mary, who hits the scales at a nicely curved 5 foot 5 inches at 120 pounds. Funny, Bob Dylan doesn't get asked what his weight is, does he? I hope to be married before I'm 25. As far as men go, the years after 25 might be a little late for marriage. Whatever happens when we're all married, we'll still all continue singing together. Diana, also 21, and lead vocalist chimed in with her comments. Everything's happening so quickly, we still haven't had time to realise just how lucky we've been. It's all very exciting, particularly the money. We put a lot away in the bank and allocate ourselves $100 a week just for spending, plus another $10 per day for food. $10 a day for food in 1960, that's quite a generous budget, is it not? Moving on, page eight. The coolest Christmas greeting is just a half page, just a black opaque box with nothing else on it apart from in small letters. 1965 was where it is at. Thank you, Mick, Keith, Brian, Charlie and Bill. It's very stylish. Page 11, five bright hopes for 1966. Would you like to know who they are? Blackpool Group, the executives. That didn't really happen, did it? Mitch Murray, uh, Mr. Murray, whose name appears as the highest jump in many charts this week with his new single, Down Came the Rain. But we don't really talk about Mitch Murray much, do we, these days? Leapy Lee's also tip for big things. And finally, a singer called Ray Singer, a chap from Brighton, who's been building up a steady following for some time, whose latest disc, You'll Come Crying to Me, is selling heavily. He didn't do much, but I'm only mentioning him so that we can play a bit of his fantastic single from around the same time. What's done has been done. And finally, a natural star of the future. That's what actor Peter O'Toole says of David Essex. Peter made his forecast after hearing David holler a spirited blues-influenced vocal, Can't Nobody Love You, which is his next single. We think is the best-looking disc newcomer for months. They may well have done, but it was a, a good six or seven years before he managed to actually score his first hit. Good old David for perseverance of nothing else. Another editorial piece, this time from uh, Unit 4 Plus 2's Tommy Muller, who, of course, they had a hit with Concrete and Clay. This is quite a sour piece, actually, essentially uh, moaning about sort of the hip people that he sees uh, at the top night spots that he frequents. In crowds are little gods who think they know it all, says Tommy. They may dig Tamla Motown or another kind of music, but if anyone likes something different, then, man, they are wrong. God is always right. I dislike the people who go to these so-called in-clubs. 
I was at the Scotch of St. James with the Everly Brothers recently. It was my first visit there, and we went to see Benny e. King perform. Everyone thought he was fantastic. He even extended his act, but during his performance, two artists at the next table to us continually shouted to Ben, do in the midnight hour. They really spoiled his act. Don and Phil, not the kind of people to indulge in this kind of thing or start trouble, walked out disgusted. Tommy doesn't like Bob Dylan either. He says that he calls him a machine, churning out commercial pop music labelled folk, protest and everything under the sun. And although I like him very much, Donovan is another example of blatant insincerity. He does not have soul and is a product which was successfully offered to us with the little boy makes good look. The sooner all this rubbish leaves pop music, the better it will be. Yikes. Not many albums out this week because it's Christmas. The Kink Controversy is an exception. That's quite a high-profile release. It does not get a good review. This is this is an uncharacteristically uh, grim review from Music Echo. It says, um, The title of the new Kinks album really has nothing to do with the album, which isn't even a little bit controversial. It features the usual boring, heavy sound of the group running through their usually terrible selection of non-songs. They have the uncanny ability to select numbers with little or no melody, as they admirably demonstrate here, to completely obscure any melody there might have been. Milk Cow Blues is the only worthwhile track. End track sums the whole thing up. Title, you can't win. On the letters page this week, um, from a, an anonymous Walker Brothers fan. Please, could you tell me if Scott Walker of the Walker Brothers is married? The answer is no, but we would have told you anyway. There was really no need to send 25 letters. More from the news pages. Uh, fans go wild at the Beatles concert at Finsbury Park, North London, last Saturday. 20 girls received medical attention. An onlooker commented, most of the girls seemed to faint when Paul began singing yesterday. During the group's performance, a girl managed to reach the stage and kiss Ringo Starr. And finally, last but not least, in the Christmas edition of Music Echo, let's have a look at what's in the charts this week. Not too many new entries, as you might have expected, being Christmas. The Baron Knight's highest new entry at number 31 with Merry Gentle Pops, and then at 36, The Hollies with If I Needed Someone. High climbers include The Zombies, up to 54 from 66 with Is This a Dream? Also, Herman's Hermits have gone up 22 places to 40 with A Must to Avoid. Uh, the Walker Brothers up uh, from 47 to 24 with My Ship is Coming In. The Shadows with the Warlord going up from 46 to 22. In the top 20, Bob Dylan's gone down four places with Positively Fourth Street. Up six places from 26 to 18 is Fontella Bass with Rescue Me, the Northern Soul Classic, of course. A Lover's Concerto by The Toys down from 5 to 8 this week. Up 4 to 6, PJ Provy with Maria. And then the top five, Len Barry, up one to five with one, two, three. And then uh, Ken Dodd with The River, up three to four. The Who are at number three. No move there with My Generation. No move also from The Seekers with Carnival's over at number two. And finally, at number one, uh, for the second week running, it's The Beatles, of course, with We Can Work It Out and Day Tripper. This has been the Christmas edition of Music Echo magazine, the 42nd issue of Music Echo magazine, week ending December the 18th, 1965. Merry Christmas. That was Peter Feeders' Parallel History of Pop, recalling December 1965. That's it for this week. Uh, ben, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. There's more of all this, should you wish for it, uh, including links to all the singles from Singles Club, at theguardian.com forward slash music. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 support. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today, no credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.